journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavua Tov, Shavua Tov, and welcome to another show coming with a very, very heavy, heavy heart today. As we speak, um, South African Jewelry is joining um, in mourning the loss of one of our children, um, Ellie Kay, a very, very um, deep wound into the Jewish people and in the... Uh, Oh, trying to to fathom what 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 actually went down. Just a few words um, from my part personally. First, that I would like to pass my condolences to the entire K family, many members, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and parents. I knew knew very well. Um, I happen to have known Ellie as well. He was in class with my son and my son-in-law. Um, so uh, we've watched the, the, the Ellie grow into the man that he grew, and it is absolutely devastating now to sit and, and watch the pain of parents, grandparents, um, and all uh, all of Klal Israel looking at the senseless murder of a young man who made Israel his home, who returned back to the Jewish people who um, was a catalyst and the beginning of his entire family coming to live in the land of Israel to be so senselessly murdered and um, cut down in the prime of his life. is there, there, there are no words. Hashem should comfort and give strength to all the mourners amongst them and in, indeed to all the mourners amongst ourselves. And we should know that, um, yes, while we... Uh, we, we, we feel so much pain and we feel so much devastation that, um, Hashem is good and that everything that happens is for a plan, even though that we don't see it. And so with that, uh, join me in learning Torah. Um, one of the things that we Jew, we Jewish people do in a time of tragedy, in a time of devastation, we should be doing it in a time of good and in a time of happiness is that we do spiritual things that will not only help the neshama, but will help Klal Yisrael. And so today I dedicate the Torah learning to Eliyahu David ben Avraham Chaim. His uh, soul should find peace. He should be an advocate for us on high. His parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, Klal Yisrael, South Af- the South African Jewish community and everybody should should have healing and we should ultimately see the end to all of this and with the arrival of Mashiach, with the arrival of light, with the arrival of redemption, of peace, of harmony um, for us and for the entire world. Right, so let's get into back into the Bible because this is really in a case like just when 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 you see all of this and you're asking why to understand and to know that this is biblical. This this tension, this 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 um, difficulty that we experience through galut, through the the um, through the the, the time, times and trials and tribulations, was actually something that our forefathers paved the way for us. Particularly, our forefather Yaakov. Um, he had many many trials and tribulations, um, as we saw last week. He went and um, 
he he suffered loss with his daughter being raped and uh, and, and now we are going to see further on his wife passing away he had financial troubles with Lavan his brother tried to kill him just like us today when we are sitting um in a state of sorrow and a state of 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 pain and devastation and loss we look to our forefathers as to what they did and how they coped and also to understand whatever they did and however they coped it in fact was also a a a strengthening for us in us getting a the ability to cope through such very very dark and harsh times we concluded last week when uh yakov and his sons particularly his two sons shimon and levi went and destroyed the city of shechem an immoral decadent completely um depraved society of any type of morality um after they went and abducted their sister dina and rater and now yakov moves forward we are going to be starting chapter 35 uh, perik lamed hay we're going to look at pasuk alaf um it says the following vayomer elokim el yakov god says to yakov kum get up ale bet el get up and go to a place called bet el vishepsham and go settle there ve asesham mizbeach and make for yourself an altar hanira elecha lael hanir elecha to the god who appeared before you bevorachacha mipnei asef achicha that when you, the same god that came to you when you were fleeing um when you were fleeing your brother asaf go set up an altar and um now give thanks to the same god that came with you fleeing uh asaf so basically what this pasuk is implying is that when he was fleeing from his brother asaf um it's kind of an implication that yakov had not yet um fulfilled his vow because he made a vow if you recall when he left israel he said if i return to peace in peace to my father's home he had not yet come back to his father's home and so now god was reminding him and telling him that now you are you are back in peace you are back in your father's home and you now need to give thanks to hashem that he has seen you through the the difficulties and the 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 trials and the tribulations and if you recall last week we also went and said that um he was punished uh by the terror of asaf he was crippled by the angel he suffered the tragedy of dina being um being 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 raped because um he did not come back to his father's house as soon as possible as quick as possible so now god is saying make an altar there unto me and now let's make the, that reconnection and let's move forward right verse 2 uh vayome yakov elbeto yakov says to his home bet kolashe imo and to everybody that is with his household hasiru et elohe hanechar asher betochem get rid of all the foreign gods in your misk vihitaru vehalifu simlotechem and then purify yourself change your clothes venakumu venale bet el we will get up and we will go to bet el ve esesha mizbeach la el we will make a 
an altar to God, Ha'one Oti, who replied to me beyond Sarati in my time of tribulation, Vahi Imadi, you will be with me, Baderech Asher Halachti, and you will be with me, um, and he will be with me um, wherever I walk. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Chai FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back, and um, as we are speaking, we are all watching the horrendous, heartbreaking funeral of Eliyahu David ben Avraham Chaim, and we dedicate this Torah learning to his neshama as um, we, we we say a tearful, tearful goodbye to him. So here we've got verse 35, if you are in the car or you're elsewhere and you are able to um, to, to follow in. We are in verse 35, verse 2 and 3, where Yaakov says to his household and to everyone, get rid of the foreign gods in your midst, purify yourself, change your clothes, because we are setting out now to Betel. That was where he left Eretz Israel, where I am going to make an altar to thank God in my, um, um, who answered me in the time of my distress and who was with me on the road that I traveled. Well, the first question is, is, what did, why are they getting rid of foreign gods? Where did they get these foreign gods in the first place? Um, surely, um, Yaakov wasn't an idol worshiper and he couldn't, he, he wasn't carrying them around. Well, the answer is, is that they basically, if you remember, we learned last week, they plundered the city of Shechem and they took all their belongings. Well, in their belongings were idols. And it was a lot of clothing, etc., etc. Um, and in addition, what had happened was that um, there is a law that when a Jew comes in contact with a dead person, um, they become spiritually defiled, and they need to go through a process of, purifier, uh, of purification. So basically, what uh, Yaakov was saying was we need to get rid of all the foreign um, entities and elements in um, in uh, amongst us that we plundered. This is not us, and we we are we are we are not to we are we're not going to be taking it with us. Um, by the way, this teaches us. This one of the lessons we learn from here is that when a person goes to a synagogue, or when one is ready to say um, daven, one is ready to pray the evening or uh, the afternoon mincha marev at home, one must examine one's clothing, one's body, to make sure they are perfectly clean, because it's forbidden to walk into a synagogue like this. It's forbidden to to um, to worship or, or, or do anything in a state of uncleanliness. So what happened by Yitnu El Yaakov et kol Elohei Hanecha Asher Biyadam Beeta Nzamim Asher Beoznehim Veitmon Otam Yaakov Tachat Ha'ele Asher Im Shem. So they came forward and they gave the foreign gods that were in their hands as well as the rings in their ears and Yaakov uh, buried them under a tree near Shechem. Now, we are told that um, there is a mountain near Shechem called Mount Grizim. Um, and in fact, um, a, a, uh, a group of people called the Samaritans, which uh, were people that left Judaism and started practicing their own uh, version 
of it, okay, they placed, they, they created a temple um, in Mount Grizzim. Um, they, they, they were people that worshipped a dove. They, uh, they, they placed their temple there at Mount Grizzim because they knew that Yaakov had buried all the idols of Shechem in that location under the tree. Now, as a rule in Judaism, if one comes um, with one comes into contact with idols, the idols have to be totally destroyed. They must be pulverized. They must be uh, scattered to the wind or thrown into deep water where they cannot be retrieved. Um, merely bearing an idol is not sufficient. So our question needs to be asked: Why did Yaakov bury them as opposed to um, to, to pulverizing them? So the answer given is that Yaakov's son had forced the, the Shechemites, the people of Shechem, to renounce these images as God. Because remember, they landed up becoming circumcised and in, 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 uh, in, in one level they, they became Jewish. But in becoming Jewish, they had to denounce these idols. So according to the law then, um, we are also taught that if a Gentile um, renounces an idol and they hit it with a hammer, they damage it, or they verbally declare that they are no longer considering the idol as divine, um, then the image is of no, 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 no more use. Um, and therefore, they are not considered idols. So then the question can be, why did Yaakov ask for the idols? Because it was an act of extra uh, piety. That, um, that, that, uh, that he, he wanted to, to do. He refused to derive any form of pleasure, okay, from the images. And so he buried them in a place that was neither cultivated, it wasn't used. Um, and because it had legal permissibility, meaning that it had no more anything attached to it, okay, um, he didn't pulverize them. Another opinion goes and says the reason why he didn't destroy it completely was that he, it would have taken a lot of time. And if you recall, he had, um, he, he was afraid that the surrounding nations were going to attack him. That's what he said to his sons afterwards. Like now you have, you have aggravated the other, everybody else and they might come and destroy it themselves. And he didn't want to remain where he was. Since there was no body of water available in which to sink the idols, he had no choice but to bury them. Uh, one of the other things that I'd like to read in and, and, and perhaps look in and, um, and, and understand, because whilst we are learning the story, we do understand that, um, you know, the story is, can be read on many, many levels. Here we are seeing Yaakov come back. Yaakov is coming back to the land of Israel, and he is telling the people that are with him, throw away the idols. And I think on a much deeper level in an understanding, Jacob coming back to the land of Israel is indicative and is a, a, a prophecy of, of, of the Jewish people coming back to the land of Israel. And one of the things that, that we have to do when we, um, when we come back to the land of Israel is that we need to get rid of all the idols, meaning we need to get rid of 
all the false beliefs, all the false attitudes that we have, the the the, the non the the the, the non Jewish attitudes that we that we've picked up in Galut, and by that I mean looking at the world and the space that we take up as being dictated by the laws of Torah and the truth of Torah, not by the 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 attitudes and ideas that the 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 diaspora world has taught us from us wandering around in Galut. And so we need to we need to bury them. We need to take them away. We need to get rid of them. We need to change our clothes. And we need to come back to the land of Israel as complete Jews, dressed in Jewish garb, connected to God, connected to his Torah, connected to the land, because that is the way that we will receive the blessing of Torah and we will receive the blessing um, that Hashem promised to Yaakov that he will be with him um, in, 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 in every way. So that is what what what, what happened by Yisau, and so then they once they had got rid of all of that, and they um they 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 had got rid of all the idols etc etc. They travelled by Yi Chitat Elokim Al Ha'arim Asher Svivotehim that the terror of God was felt in the cities around them. Belor Ratfu Acharei Bnei Yaakov, and they did not pursue. Yaakov's sons. Now here's what's absolutely um, interesting and uh, quite, uh, quite, quite uh, unexpected is that Yaakov thought what is going to go and happen is that there is going to be um, uh, repercussions, that there's going to be retaliations, etc., etc. And in fact, what we are told is that Yaakov's sons prayed. This caused a great unexplained terror. Um, that that was felt in all the surrounding areas, and in fact, what Yaakov um, knew was that um, they were engaging, they were coming together, clans were coming together to engage Yaakov's sons in battle. But God caused them to become uh, confounded. They began to, to be, they began to fight. They began to kill one another. Um, but what they then came to realize through the prayers. Of, uh, of, 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 uh, Yaakov's sons was that if two of Yaakov's sons were able to destroy an entire city, then certainly, um, if they all got together, they would have the power of the whole world. Uh, they would be able to destroy the whole world. And so a lot of confusion was created around them, and it was also that they will, they, they decided not not to to go out and and fight against them. Vayavo Yaakov Luza. Then Yaakov came to the city of Luz, Ashebe Eretz Canaan, that was in the land of Canaan. He Beit El. Another name for Luz is called Beit El. Who um, vechol ha'am Ashe imo. He and all the people that are with him. Vayiven Sham Mizbeach. He built a, an altar by Yikra Lamakom El Beit El. He called the place um, Beit. He called on Beit El's God. Ki Sham Niglu Elav Elokim. Their God um, revealed Himself to him. When he was running away from his his uh, his his brother, so he called it called it El Beit El, the um, Beit El's God. 
because this was as a prayer that God would allow his divine presence to be experienced in that place. And this was, in fact, the place, as we said, that the angels were revealed to him when he was, in fact, fleeing his brother. But now we come to a very, very interesting part of the, of, of, of the Torah narrative. And it's really, really interesting because it comes in kind of like slotted in. It has no, seemingly no pertinence before, no pertinence afterwards. But in the very, very few verses that we see, we, we, we learn a tremendous amount. And in fact, it's exactly one verse. Vatamat Devora Mineket Rivka. The nurse of Rivka died. Vatikaver Mitachad Lebet El. And she was buried below Beit El. Tachat Ha'elon. Under a tree. Vayikrashmo Alon Bachot. And he cried that it was called there the weeping oak. Alon Bachot. Now, we don't know anything, anything, anything that is told to us about, about Devorah. Other than that, we know that when Rivka, this is now Yitz, um, um, Yaakov's mother, when they came to, uh, they came to, 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 not they came, Eliezer came to fetch Rivka to be a wife to Yitzchok. We are told that Rivka was still very, very young. And they said to Eliezer, maybe she should stay until she grows up and then she can go to Yitzchok and marry her. And Rivka does not want to do that. She wants to go straight away. And so what actually happens is that they tell um, Devorah, who was Rivka's uh, some say it was her wet nurse, others say it was her handmaiden, some say it was her mentor, that she should take the trip with Rivka back to uh, Eretz Israel, back to Yitzchak and Abraham, and that's where she would get married. Now, that's exactly what happened, and then it seems like this handmaiden Devorah disappears off the scene. We don't hear another word from her. And now suddenly we see, okay, we see that um, she dies and she's buried there. Well, what was Devorah doing with Yaakov? This was Rivka's maidservant and she must have been pretty old. Um, if you think that she, if, if you understand that she accompanied uh, Rivka when Rivka was very, very young back to Eretz Yisrael, how is it all of a sudden that there's just one line, one verse where we see that um, that, uh, that 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 she passed away? So what we are told was that in fact what happened when Yaakov left, and this is we learned this in 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 Parshat Vayetze, we are told that Rivka went and sent her nurse Devora together with Yitzchak's servants to tell Yaakov that it's safe enough for him to come back to Hebron. So she dispatched her mentor, her maidservant, her nanny, her whatever it is that you want to call, uh, um, uh, uh, call her. She had dispatched her 
to go back to Yaakov and convince Yaakov that it was safe enough for him to come home. So that is how we find out that she is now traveling with the entourage back to the land of Israel. Now, um, she doesn't make it back to the land of Israel and she unfortunately dies on the way. And so she is buried below towards Beit El. Um, and just to understand geographically, Shechem is on a high plateau. And so she was buried near its bottom on a flat prairie. And we are told that at the bottom of this flat prairie, there was a an oak tree. And so they called it Alon Bachut, um, the weeping tree. And we're actually told that some some people do believe that, in fact, they know where that tree is of today. If you have got any questions, any things that you would like to add to the conversation or ask anything, please don't be shy. 34519 is the SMS line. 0618951019 is our telegram number. Hi FM, 101.9 MHz of life. Welcome back, and uh, we are looking into chapter 35 of Genesis. We are learning for the Neshama of Eliyahu David ben Abraham Chaim, as South Africa puts to rest um, in Israel, one of our fallen. So what was going on here? We were talking about the fact that Devorah did not appear anywhere. She appeared first in Parashat Vayetze, where she accompanied Rivka, and now suddenly she's coming back with Yaakov, and we explained how she landed up there. But the Torah comes and tells us something else where you will not see in the actual uh, reading um, of the Chumash any any type of um, outward um, uh, acknowledgement of the death of Rivka. Now, there are two mothers that you will not see or hear about in black and white. And that is of our form, for foremother, Rivka and Leah. We know how Sarah died. There's an entire parasha called Chaya Sarah. Okay? We know how Rochel died. We are going to get to it now. We don't know how and when um, the, the uh, Rivka died. And in fact, this is exactly where she died. And how do the rabbis find that out? in the fact that it's called Alon Bachut. Now, Alon Bachut, okay, Alon in Greek, it says Alon means another. And so the Torah is telling us that, in fact, um, there was weeping for another. And who, in fact, was that weeping for? That uh, Rivka also had died. We are told that Devorah died, and three days later, Yaakov received the news that Rivka, his mother, too, had passed away. And that must have been unbelievably painful, because here he was on his way back home, and he, um, he was, he, he, he would not see his mother again alive. Now, the Torah, as I said, is completely silent about the death of Rivka, uh, we are told that she was buried in the Ma'arata Machpela. She was buried in the cave um, where our, uh, already um, Abraham and Sarah were buried. She was buried quietly. She was buried at night 
because there was no one to arrange her funeral and no one to accompany her. Why? Well, firstly, Abraham had already passed on. Secondly, Yaakov's eyesight was too bad for him to leave the house. Her son Yaakov was on his way home from Padam Aram. And Esav, it was probably better that he does, he didn't, he didn't attend at all. And people didn't want, um, they didn't want to say at, at Rivka's funeral, cursed are the beasts that nursed this criminal. And therefore, that, I mean, they didn't want Esav there. And therefore, they buried her quietly at night. Therefore, we know that when the place is called Alon Bechut, which can also be read Alon Bachot, the Oak of Weepings, it's in the plural, that in fact they were mourning two deaths, the death of uh, Devorah as well as the death of Rivka. The Midrash goes on and tells us that the name that was given to the place was primarily because of Rivka. There were two reasons why uh, they were mourning for her. Firstly, uh, because she had died and also because there was not a single uh, holy person attending her funeral. Um, when did this all happen? It happened in the year 2206. That is 1555 before the common era when Yaakov was 98 years old. In Chayesaro, we, we cited an opinion, if you recall, that one opinion held that, so let's just work out dates, that Rivka was 14 and a half years old when she married Yitzchak. So according to this opinion, she was born in the year 2073. She died at the age of 133. So just to understand Rivka's timeline, um, she married at the age of 14. She waited 20 years until she had a child. And then when she had her child, Yaakov was 63 when he left home. He stayed 14 years in the Academy of Shemva Aver and 20 years with Lavan. He also then spent 18 months in Sukkot. So that would have totaled 132 and a half years. So just let's round it off to 133 years. If we take the opinion that Rivka was born at right after Akedat Yitzchak, at the bounding of Yitzchak. She was three years old when she married Yitzchak. That means, according to this opinion, she was 121 until um, when she died, um, and that is how old she was. Sadly, nevertheless, with all the dedication that she had, um, she is she 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 passed away without seeing her son. Uh, Yaakov. Also, we are told in the Midrash that Lavan died um, in an epidemic and he was punished because he violated his oath to Yaakov. He had tried to make a secret liaison with Esau and he tried to, to, to overcome Yaakov that way. Nevertheless, this is in one, one just in one, 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 uh, what's the name? One sentence, one sees that we see, the, we see the death of two people, Devorah and, of course, Rivka. Verse 9, Vayera Elohim el Yaakov Od, God again appears to Yaakov, Bevomi Padamaram, when he's coming from Padamaram, Vayivarech Oto, he once again reiterates a blessing. And he gives four blessings, four reasons why he blesses him. 
Firstly, it says that uh, Yaakov was standing there, in a sense, all alone. Yes, he was with his entire family, but um, he was there and he was saying Kaddish for his mother. God was there to bless him and answer Amen to the Kaddish. The second is, is that when a person does a good deed or he obeys one of God's commandments, he deserves to be a blessed. That's why when somebody does something good, we always will bless them with tiskele mitzvahs. May you merit, may be worthy of doing more good deeds. Since Yaakov was obeying God's commandment by going to Betel, God blessed him that he would be able to keep all the commandments. The third thing is when a person is perfect in his ways, Everybody blesses him. And since Yaakov had built an altar and called upon God's name, he deserved that not only everybody around him, but that God himself would bless him. And finally, the fourth reason why God blessed Yaakov here was that he went beyond the requirements of the laws, right? His sons had taken much plunder in Shechem. Yaakov didn't want to derive any enjoyment from what they did. And this was a great sign of faith. Around, uh, you know, on Yaakov's part. And therefore, um, because Yaakov was extremely careful not taking anything that involved even the slightest question of dishonesty, uh, uh, God blessed him that his wealth would be doubled and that he'd become extremely wealthy without resorting to any unfair gain. And this is something that we need to, and this is the lesson that I want to leave with you today, that if a person tries to become wealthy through unfair gain, know that your wealth will not survive. It can become ashes overnight. You'll retain nothing from it. People could take your money and not return it. You could uh, lose your merchandise at sea. You could be robbed. But when a person refrains from taking that which is not his, that he pays his debts on time, he is scrupulously honest in his dealings, he will have those things turn out well for him. And this is indeed what happened to Yaakov. Because of his honesty, God himself blessed him. And with that, I give a blessing to all of us that we continue to learn Torah. We learn to continue to learn Torah in strength. Um, we send out again um, blessings of strength and comfort to the entire K family and that we each and every one of us, um, we can do something positive by taking on a mitzvah um, that will elevate not only the, the, the soul of Eliyahu David ben Avram Chaim, but in his merit, we should bring the Geula that much closer and that we should have revealed blessing from God in all of our ways. Be safe, be sane, and I'll be back next week.